0: Hi, and welcome to Caring About the Clippers. I'm your host, John Delaray, and I care about the Clippers. The reason that I named my podcast Caring About the Clippers is because in L.A., one thing you hear a lot of is nobody cares about the Clippers, and I disagree with that fact. I have cared deeply about the Clippers for a long period of time and believe that most of the nobody cares about the Clippers... Uh, tends to come from disgruntled Laker fans who want nobody to care about the Clippers. They believe all Lakers all the time. I myself am all Clippers all the time. I harbor no ill will or hatred toward the Lakers, but uh, my heart lies absolutely with the Clippers. Um, I've been a Clipper fan since about 2000, and dating back to the Darius Miles, Lamar Odom years. Um, And recently on a flight, I wanted to listen to a Clipper podcast. Uh, I went on, went on to iTunes, looked around, saw there were podcasts for lots of teams, <clears throat> Sixers, Lakers certainly, Celtics, others, uh, but there was no Clipper podcast, no podcast just specifically dedicated to all things Clippers, and I decided I'd make one, mostly just so I can listen to myself on long flights, which will be great, who, wouldn't, who doesn't want to hear themselves opine on things, uh, I think I'm, you know, anyway, we'll, uh, so I'm looking forward to to the podcast. Uh, the, the way I'm planning on doing this podcast is, uh, between games, I will review the the prior game, I will preview the upcoming game, and we'll talk about uh, things Clippers that are sort of on my mind. This podcast will, as the initial podcast, will be dedicated towards examining the Clippers season up to this point, and getting my opinions on all things Clippers up to this point. So let's jump right in. So, the Clippers currently after eleven games are six and five. From my perspective, six and five is good. That's about right where they should be. I think at this point, they're kind of a six and five team. They've had a tough schedule. They're above five hundred. They have it appears after about one tenth of the season, a good chance of being a playoff team, I would say, barring injuries. So I'm pretty happy with the way this season is going. The team competes for sure. I think Doc is doing a relatively good job. I'm very happy he's not general manager anymore, but I think he's doing a good job coaching. And coming from me, that says a lot, because I was calling for Doc's head a couple of seasons ago when we had a much more talented team than we have currently that was underperforming. But that team, the team with Blake, DJ, and Chris Paul, apparently, and I think we all know this by now, but apparently there were major personality conflicts. And one thing that anybody who's played basketball knows is how you get along with your teammates is important. You wanna like your teammates. You wanna have their backs defensively. You want to want to share the ball. I still play a lot of basketball, and if I'm on a team with guys I like, I'm gonna be much better than guys I don't than if I'm with guys that, don't, that I don't like. And previous Clipper teams, I don't think have liked each other much. I think that's becoming very, very apparent the more that comes out in the media. So this team seems to really like each other, which is a blast. The Clippers. Another great thing about the Clippers so far this year is they're incredibly watchable. There is so much going on with the Clippers. Um, I'll start. I'll start. I'll start with my favorite player, who's Tobias Harris, who is just really having a great season. He and he seems like just such a nice guy. Like he never really complains. He seems to know when to shoot the ball, when not. He seems to care about getting his his uh, teammates involved. I'm just, I'm a big Tobias Harris fan. Danilo also, is our kind of our, our other big scorer, is having a very nice season. I've come to really like Danilo. Uh, he is just knocking down threes at a crazy rate that's probably not going to keep up, which concerns me some. Uh, as of today, which is right before the Bucks game, he's at a 48% clip from three, which an effective field goal percentage of 54% overall when you include the twos. Uh, so he's having a, a nice season. Tobias' effective field goal percentage is 575 which is... Really pretty outlandish. Anyway, those guys are are doing great. But what makes the Clippers so watchable? So those guys keep the Clippers competitive. But man, I don't love Patrick Beverly. But he is fun to watch. Because he is up in everybody's grill all the time. The dude plays hard every minute, every game. Which is such a rarity in the NBA. I don't think Patrick Beverly should be starting. I'm going to get into that a little later. But he sure is fun to watch regardless. Um... Of course, watching Shea uh, has just been phenomenal. I'll get into Shea later, but he makes the Clippers very watchable. Montrezl Harrell, and I call him Montrezl. That L is not silent. I hate it when the Clippers announcers call him Montrez. There hasn't been a silent L in the history of mankind that I know of. He is Montrezl. Montrezl Harrell. That's the way he spells his name. That's the way I will refer to him. And certainly, Boban is is incredibly watchable. Uh, Milos is, is watchable. And Lou Williams goes on these scoring binges that are insane. I mean, the Clippers just have a lot of weird moving parts that make them incredibly, incredibly fun to watch. People talk about, you know, I listen to other podcasts, a lot of other NBA podcasts, love the Bill Simmons podcast. It's it's probably my favorite, and he recently did a thing on the Clippers, and they were talking, I think, about league pass rankings, or that might have been in another podcast, I don't know. And the Clippers weren't getting any love. But if you're looking for, like, drama, and excitement, and what's going to happen next, and moving parts that are just kind of weird, nobody can top the Clippers this year. I believe that in the bottom of my heart. The Clippers are the most fun team to watch in the NBA. And what else is fun about the Clippers is their management has improved so much. I mean, I just am so thankful, and I think most Clipper fans feel this way, that the Blake, DJ, Chris Paul thing came to an end. It kind of came to an end mercifully. I'm happy all those guys are gone. Initially, I loved that team, and I, was, I rooted for them hard, but they just became so unlikable as the years progressed. And for me, Chris Paul was the worst. I can honestly say he was one Clipper that by the end of his tenure, I, I was not rooting for. Uh, I wanted the Clippers to win, but Chris and his yelling at his teammates' routine, that just drove me crazy. Nobody wants to play basketball with a guy like that. Nobody wants to play basketball with Chris Paul. I don't think I'd like to play pickup basketball with Chris Paul. He'd be yelling at me for not playing good D, and I don't play good D. So he'd be on my ass all the time, and i played with guys like that. I I sometimes am a guy like that, and I don't like it when I am like that. So I'm not down with Chris Paul. Uh, I think he affected Blake and DJ. I always thought DJ was kind of the good guy of the group, but now I'm hearing that DJ isn't isn't getting along with Luka Doncic, Doncic down in Dallas. So now I'm questioning whether d j was even a good guy, and Blake just seemed kind of sour, I mean, you know when he beat up the trainer, I mean, come on, who does that? I don't know. he just he seemed like an angry young man to me, so not not at all disappointed to see that team broken up, and the management did such a good job in what they got back. I mean, right now, I wouldn't trade Tobias for Blake straight up, and we got Bobon back, and we got I think a draft pick. I should know this stuff, but we got Avery Bradley. Who appears to be a usable part, possibly. Uh, so, anyway, so management, and, and by the way, Steve Ballmer, love Steve Ballmer. What a breath of fresh air. I mean, the guy has money, he's dedicated to the team. I mean, we have the best owner in town. Steve Ballmer is the best owner in town. And I know Laker fans are going to cringe when they hear that, but that's the truth. Steve Ballmer is the man. Uh, he hired Lawrence Frank, he hired Jerry West. Those guys have got, got us in a position. We have no, like, we have no bad contracts. We don't have a single bad contract, which makes us a van, a fantastic destination for a superstar next summer. And in my opinion, this team is one superstar away from being very competitive. If we do land Kawhi or Kevin Durant next summer, which and I think there's a, a chance we will, this team's going to be really good. I mean, they're going to have to get rid of some of the parts, but there are enough moving parts on good contracts that this team could be structured into a contender pretty easily, and I'm confident that Lawrence Frank and Jerry West are the men to do that. And thank God we fired Doc General Manager, because Doc General Manager was bad. We had our rosters for the past few years have just made no sense. But Doc, so I really wanted Doc fired, as I mentioned earlier, but now, like, Doc is the coach... It appears when Doc gets a team that Doc likes to coach, or that likes Doc, I'm not sure which it is, that Doc can really succeed because I'd get Doc like a bee now. But that leads me in to the next thing that I want to talk about, which is the Clippers roster and who's playing and who's not right now. So when the season started, Doc decided that we would start with um, Beverly and Patrick Beverly and Avery Bradley in the backcourt. We'd have Tobias and Danilo at the forwards, And Martin Gortat is our starting center. And that fivesome proved to be not a particularly effective one on the court. Uh, Obviously, it was good defensively, uh, but we just couldn't score. I mean, it was almost unfair to watch Danilo and Tobias try and score when there was just no floor spacing. And Bradley and both Bradley and Beverly, neither of whom are particularly good shooters anyway, came out cold even for them. And the Gortat just didn't seem to. He, Gortat was missing bunnies a lot. He was missing little six footers that I think he had made in Washington pretty consistently. So time sort of progressed. And I think, it, what was it, two or three games ago now, um, Doc made a move and inserted Boban, who had been very effective coming off the bench, into the starting lineup. And initially, I was down with that. I thought that was a good move by Doc. But upon further review, so far that is not working because Bobon is just doesn't seem to be as effective with the starters and against a starting center. But if you put Bobon in it against other people's benches, I think it makes Bobon look a lot better, as it does any player, but Bobon seems to be they're like different types of players. There are starters who can play against the starters and look good against the starters or bench, and they just look like good players. Bobon appears to be one of like the B players who just is going to look better against lesser competition. And that's fine. So for me at center, I would go back, if I were Doc, I would generally go back to starting Gortat, because you want to keep Gortat happy. Give him minutes, just start it. You got playing for six to eight minutes a game, and then you get to bring in Montrezl. And Montrezl is a force this year. I think Montrezl's got a chance to win sixth man of the year. I mean, he's playing so well. What's Montrez shooting from the floor? He's shooting... Montrez is shooting sixty-seven percent from the floor. He's making two thirds of his shots while averaging twelve points a game. He's pulling down six rebounds in only 20, 21 minutes. I mean he's having a great, great season. Our bench is just so damn strong, but and Montrez is a key component of it. So and then I would bring in Bobon. I would play Bobon for you know, I'd give I'd start Gortat six to eight minutes, bring in Montrez. When Montrez needs a break, like maybe with eight to seven minutes left in the in the second and fourth periods I'd put in i put in Bobon for you know somewhere between three to five minutes and let him play it out if he's having one of his Bobon nights. I just think it seems pretty simple, so that's that's where I hope Doc goes currently uh I have the right to change my mind of course uh, but that's that's sort of where I'm at about the center situation now. I like what Doc is doing with Tobias and danilo I think he's he's using their minutes properly. Danilo's been hurt a lot, so I think it's really good if we can keep his average between 25 and 30 minutes per game. It might not be great for him getting a contract next year, but it's if you want to have an effective team, I think Danilo Danilo needs to stay healthy. He's by far their best three point shooter. So far, he's making what threes? He's making 48 of his threes, which is crazy. He shot a bunch of them too. Let's see how many he's shot. I think he's been averaging. Let's see how many he's been averaging five a game. Uh, and he's been making two and a half of those five. So that's, that's something we really need because we're not a great outside shooting team. Uh, Beverly Bradley, that's not going to work. Um, I think that's obvious. And if doc doesn't see it, I don't know what to say. And egos be damned. One of those guys when right now, right now, by the way, Bradley's hurt. Uh, but when those guys are healthy, one of them is going to have to come off the bench. And I just think the natural guy to start is Shay. uh, so I would say, for me, move Patrick Beverly to the bench. The guy um, plays hard. I think he's sort of, this, this kills me to say, because I sort of feel like he's the heart and soul of this year's team. but But he's just not that good. I mean, and I know if he were here, he'd beat my ass. But he's just not that talented. I mean, he plays really hard, but he's not as talented, I'm afraid, as he thinks he is. At least that's my read on him so far, having seen him play 11 games now. Uh, you know, this season. I watched him play before. But there he was a bench guy in Houston, and that seemed to work for him. Like, he's a good... He's a decent... He won't say good, but he's a decent spot-up in the corner shooter for three. But he, I saw him take a shot against Portland. We'd cut the lead to four, and we kind of had some momentum. We had an opportunity to cut it to two or one. This is like with maybe five or six minutes left in that game. And it looked like it was a potentially winnable game and that a winning up in Portland would have been huge. And he comes down, he jacks up a three on the run. I mean, you know, it's he's not he's not Steph Curry. I know he wants to be the leader of the team, but I think Doc's going to have to rein him in. I think the easiest way to do that is to bring him off the bench and let him pester, you know, the other team's guards when he comes in. And mostly he'd probably come in for Bradley, but those guys on the court together are tough. And then Shea really brings just a crud load to the table. Starting Shea just has so many benefits. Uh, first of all, obviously, get Shea minutes, which we need to just for his progression as a player. But also, remarkably, given that he's only twenty years old, it's what makes our team the best. So, if we're trying to make the playoffs this year, you can have your cake and eat it too. You start Shea. He gets he gets experience playing. You know, hopefully 25 to 30 minutes a game, which makes him better. And it makes the team better. How many 20-year-olds can you say that about? So I'm fully on board with Shea getting time. He's For being 20, he's a fantastic defender. I couldn't believe the job he did on Damian Lillard the other night. I mean, he was making Damian Lillard take tough shots. And that's hard to do. Lillard gets open all the time. Lillard's a fantastic player. Uh, I mean, offensively, I'd take Damian Lillard. I love Damian Lillard. I do. I freely admit I'm in love with Damian Lillard, but Shea did a great job on him. Uh, so, so for me, that's the starting lineup. Beverly St- the starting lineup is Tobias, Danilo, Martine, Shea, and Avery Bradley, when Avery Bradley's healthy. And then coming off the bench, you got Montrezl, uh who's got to come off the bench and play the most bench minutes. Lou, who does his Lou thing. Um, you know, Lou, I keep waiting. I feel like with Lou... I keep waiting for the balloon to burst. Yet Lou just keeps scoring, and he goes in slow motion. Lou, I do love Lou. Uh, Lou can score, and he can score like nobody I've ever seen. He's another really unique player. And he gets hot so often. So let's see, so far he's shooting 43% from the floor, 38% from three, an effective field goal percentage of 49%, which is pretty good considering the number of shots and the difficulty of shots he takes. But he might also... Well, he is one of our best point guards as well. Uh, he's averaging three and a half assists to well to two and a half turnovers. I thought it was going to be better than that. Uh, anyway, I do like playing Lou. He sets up Montrezl all the time for easy dunks, which is huge. And there's nothing more fun than seeing Montrezl dunk and yell. Dunk and yell, Montrezl. I do. I love Montrezl. Dunking is awesome. As you can tell, I'm a total clipper homer. Um... So you got those guys, Then you got Luke Mute, who's injured right now. Obviously, he fits in against specific teams for a specific purpose, and that's when we need him to come in and shut somebody down, which he's very good at. For instance, we're getting ready to play the Bucks, and it's questionable whether Luke's going to play or not. I sure hope he does, because this is one of those games where I think he's the only guy on the roster who can, who can sl- even slow down um, Antetokounmpo, Giannis, the Greek freak, because... He, I mean, you look at the rest of our roster. uh, I mean, I can't imagine we're going to stop Antetokounmpo today without Luke at all. If Luke doesn't play, then it falls, I guess, on Tobias to guard him. Um, I don't think centers. I don't think our centers are are nimble enough. Maybe Montrezl could guard him a little. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see who Doc plays against um, Antetokounmpo if Luke doesn't play. Uh, Mike Scott looks usable, but I think he. I don't think Mike should play unless we have injuries. Uh, Milos is having a good season so far, but Milos is incredibly frustrating to watch. I just feel like you could take maybe one out of every ten guys out of the stands and Milos couldn't guard. Like, there are 10% of the people in the crowd that Milos couldn't guard. He's that bad a defender. I mean, you take an, a male who's played basketball, or a female, forget it, sorry, that you know that's uh, a male, or you take a human being out of the crowd who's played a lot of basketball and who's between the ages of say 16 and 45 and I think Milos would probably have a hard time guarding him if they're in decent shape. He's he's fantastic offensively and I love his like through the legs pocket passes and all that stuff, but I just I just can't see playing him when he's so bad defensively. He drives me crazy when he's playing defense. Um so then we got Jerome Robinson who looks like, you know, he might be decent. Tyrone Wallace is is, is getting a few minutes here and there as well. The, the good news is, is if you don't include Jerome Robinson and Tyrone Wallace, we go 12 deep. Uh, that's Tobias, Danilo, Avery Bradley, Patrick Beverly, Shea, Lou Williams, Montrezl, Martin uh, Luke, Mike Scott, Boban, and Milos. And this team's going to get injured. So I think injuries will dictate playing time. For instance, right now, uh, Avery Bradley is out and Luke has been out. So that has opened up some. That's opened up more time for Mike Scott, uh, probably for Milos, whose minutes will probably decrease. I'm guessing those are probably the two most at risk when um, when Bradley and Luke come back. I, for one, as a big time Clipper fan, would be sorely disappointed if Shay's minutes get affected because Avery Bradley returns. I don't think Shay's that far behind. Patrick Beverly as a defender. I, I I think he's pretty far behind Avery Bradley, who appears to be one of the better defenders in the NBA, not just on the team. I mean Avery Bradley. I'm not in love with Avery Bradley's offense, but man, that boy can defend. I mean he get I I love watching Avery Bradley play defense. He get, I love a lot about the Clippers, but I love watching Avery Bradley play defense. So if and Shea though, Shea's Shea's not that with Shea's height and length, I think he's probably I mean, I, I don't have the advanced def- defensive metrics up, but I, my guess is Shea's got to be defending about as well as Patrick Beverly. I mean, they're two totally different defenders. Beverly just gets by on hard guts, and effort, and Shea's just long. But Shea gives a good effort, too, but it's just different. For those of you that watch, you know what I mean. Shea, kinda, Shea appears to kind of go in slow-mo. He's one of those guys. Speaking of Shea, if you watch the Portland game, <clears throat> uh, Shea had a, had a moment in that game. When he was on the break, he got a rebound. He brought the ball down by himself, and he got matched up with Zach Collins along the baseline. And he kind of drove, and then he kind of paused and hesitated, and did a kind of a mini pullback dribble, just kind of put the brakes on, put, kind of stopped, took maybe a half step back, got Zach Zach Collins to move forward just ever so slightly. It wasn't wasn't like a huge jump by Zach. It was just his little move forward, and shade just burst around his left side and dunked and before Zach Collins even knew what had happened it was a great move I mean we are so lucky to have Shea on the team and I'm so fired up to watch him over the next few years um the fact that oh let's see am I still going gosh darn I think I stopped oh no I think I'm still going good um you know, the fact that that we drafted Shea late, I, I was sitting, this is a true story, I love the NBA draft, I was sitting there and I was telling my wife and kids that I wanted the Clippers to draft Shea, and then Shea got taken, the the pick before our first pick, we had two back-to-back, and all of a sudden it was like a Christmas miracle, they're announcing that Shea has just gotten traded to the Clippers, and they swapped picks, and the Clippers had to give up, I think, a second round pick or whatever, but... I was rooting for Shea. Shea's the guy. He he reminds me a lot of Sean Livingston, who I watched a lot of, obviously, back in the day as, another, as a Clipper fan. Um, and he also reminds me a little bit of his crafty moves of, of um, Andre Miller, who I don't like because he didn't play hard for the Clippers one season, so he's one of my least favorite players. But Shea's crafty, which is what Andre Miller was at a young age. Shea... Really, the way he slows down, draws fouls, accelerates his his ability to accelerate uh, is like some is like nothing that most players have. So thoroughly enjoying this this Clipper team so far. Getting ready to uh, to wrap up my kind of initial podcast. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. I enjoyed doing it. Love talking about the Clippers. Um, again, John Delaray, that's my name. Uh, big Clipper fan. We'll jump back on. Uh, and, and probably lay out another 20 to 30 minutes after the Bucks game this afternoon. Per, the Bucks are going to be tough for us today. Uh, mostly, I mean, Antetokounmpo's having a phenomenal season in there. Just a talented team. Chris Middleton can play. Uh, I'm hoping that Avery Bradley and Luke are back, which I'm not sure of yet. If they are, I think that gives us a much better chance to win. Um, if they're not, I think it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be a struggle either way, but the Bucks like the Bucks are getting the ball up and down the floor right now. I think they're like third in pace. I think I heard that, and the Clips are up there in pace too. So it should be a fun game to watch. Uh, my prediction for the game is it's at home. Clippers in a close one. I'm going to I'm going to go with the Clippers. I'm going to predict um, a big game from Danilo. I think Antetokounmpo will probably be guarding Tobias, which will make it tough on him. A big game from Danilo, and hopefully another really good game from. Uh, Shea just alexander uh, And hopefully for Montrezl, too, man. Montrezl's been playing his ass off. So that's a wrap. Caring about the Clippers. I care about the Clippers. Ha- I hope you care about the Clippers. Thanks for listening. Out.